Welcome to the Integration Podcast, your guide to enterprise integration. Welcome uh, to this episode of the Integration Podcast. And today I'm really thrilled to have uh, Luke Marson here, hear a little about what is happening with uh, SuccessFactor integration because that's really a big topic and a lot of projects I'm seeing in the market on this area. So Luke, uh, thanks for, for being on the show. Could you explain a little about what you're doing and what your company is about? Yeah, sure. Um, thanks, Daniel, for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you about this topic today. Um, so for those uh, who, who don't know me, my name is Luke Marston. Um, I've been around the SAP space for um, only for about a decade, uh, a bit more than that. A bit more than half of that now is in the SAP success factor space. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a solution architect, an integration architect, a lead consultant, project director, all sorts of different roles over the over the years that I've been working with customers on um, SAP success factors transformations and implementations, um, and of course. Um, I'm currently with uh, iServe, which is a, a niche global SAP Success Factors implementation partner. And we have a strong um, expertise in core HR, payroll, time, and integration. And so we often um, come across projects where we will have oof, 10, 15, maybe 20 integrations, different types of systems. Um, time management, uh, LDAPs, IDMs, um, ERP, um, uh, expense management, you name it. Yeah, we've, we've, we've integrated it at some point. Yeah, I guess uh, you see a lot of customers moving to uh, SuccessFactor. I guess that would be the, the things that you're mostly seeing, right? Yeah, we're seeing a, um, a steady growth in success factors customers. Um, the growth has been definitely on an up, upward trajectory since SAP completed the acquisition almost seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Employee Central has has had some of the biggest growth. Um, that only had a few hundred customers um, uh, at the point that SAP made the acquisition, but now they've reached over three thousand. Um, customers and of course that's the module that has most of the integrations most of the complexity most of the touch points with other processes and systems across the enterprise landscape so employee central what is that part of the the suite so employee central is the core hris of the sap success factors hcm suite so that's what would be your equivalent in sap hcm of om and pa in essence so it's your core record keeping um it's um your self-services um your org chart um time entry time off booking uh, leave of absence, payroll, benefits management, all those bits and pieces focused around the very core of, um, of people management. Okay, so, so the thing you, you need in all companies. And then the other part of uh, the success factors is uh, learning or something like that. Yeah, so there's a whole um, talent suite as well. 
So in addition to core and payroll, there's the uh, you know, classical talent management um, applications for performance management and goal management, compensation management, succession planning and career development planning, learning management, as you said, um, recruiting, which is quite a, quite a um, quite an end-to-end solution with success factors because that encompasses typical recruitment management, but also candidate relationship management, um, recruiting, marketing, job posting, all those bits and pieces. And then there's an onboarding module as well. And on top of all that, there's the workforce analytics and planning module, which provides a comprehensive um, analytical reporting solution and um, operational workforce planning solution yeah (laughs) so uh, i was just uh on my first uh success factor implementation this this fall uh where i really didn't know that much about it uh and i think i I logged in well i didn't get access to login so i was just using some of the apis and understanding what they were about so the I understand there's like two different APIs or maybe three or maybe some more. Um, so there was an a old API, SOAP-based API, and then the newer was uh, OData2 and, and a 4. And is that the main thing or are there other things for from an integration perspective or integration platform, I guess, uh, what they need to, to invoke? Yeah, I think you covered... Um most of them there. So there's a few different options. I think we, we, we look at it from, um, from the perspective of middleware technology, from APIs, and then from um, functionality within success factors itself. So from middleware perspective, when you subscribe to Employee Central, um, as part of the subscription, customers will get a subscription for SAP Cloud Platform integration. And that essentially provides you with um, an unlimited amount of integration connections as long as one end of the integration, either the inbound or the outbound, is touching the employee central system. So that's good because that's a, that's a, that's a um, you know, now it's a proven powerful integration platform. Previously, SAP had bundled Dell Boomi Atomsphere into the employee central subscription. That's still available for customers on request. Um, but typically, most customers are getting and using SAP Cloud Platform integration as their as their middleware for Employee Central. I guess that that makes sense since that's also where SAP want to move. So, as a customer, probably you'd get a lot of the more pre-delivered content already as a part of the 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 CPI suite uh, instead of developing from scratch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's a big part of it. With SAP owning um, the success factors software and the middleware, it enables them to build out integrations, uh, prepackaged integrations and integration templates and and other sort of content, um, which can sit on the middleware and is aligned with Employee Central and aligned with each of the quarterly releases. So when there's any changes, those um, package integrations will be... um, updated uh, to match the the employee central configuration changes mm. i guess now we're talking well uh, about uh, the pre-delivered content have you used a lot of this and what do you feel the the quality of this yeah we've used various different packages 
Um, I mean, it always depends on, on the customer. You know, there's um, packaging integration for a, a variety of different systems um, that SAP provides. So, of course, there's integration back to the SAP ERP system, and the integrations vary in that category. So, you may find that um, if a customer is not using Employee Central but using the success factors talent modules and they are using SAP on premise HCM, there's a, there's a, a specific package integration um, there that enables replication of a kind of basic employee mini master and then some process integration for recruiting, compensation, uh, onboarding, recruiting some of the other modules. Um, then there's the, there's the package integration that enables that integration from employee central back to ERP to replicate employees, org objects, and so forth, and replicate cost centers from uh, SAP finance into employee central. And that, that package integration can also be used if you want to have a side-by-side -side system. So that's essentially when you master um, a part of your workforce in Employee Central and a part of it in SAP HCM. That's not a common um, um, deployment model, but there are some customers using that. Um, and then actually that integration also includes a data migration. So you can use the same configuration uh, in the SAP system to um, that you would use for importing the employee data into SAP um, to export data from SAP ERP into the employee central format so that during the implementation, you can migrate all of that data over into employee central, um, either through CSV or you can use um, the SAP Cloud Platform integration middleware. I mean, so that's just what's available you know, for SAP ERP. There's then other integrations to partner systems and other SAP cloud systems. So you have um, integrations, for example, to Concur, uh, Fieldglass, and some of the other cloud applications. Then you have uh, package integrations to Microsoft Active Directory, um, to uh, Workforce Software M-Center, to Kronos. Um, uh, there's some other payroll um, providers as well, um, mainly SAP-based systems like ADP Global View or the um, NGA Payroll Exchange. Mm -hmm. okay. so, yeah, so a whole variety of stuff that SAP are, are putting out, and they're maintaining that stuff on a quarterly basis as well, and they're supporting it. So um, a lot of a lot of stuff that uh, SAP have, have focused on over the last uh, six seven years. Mm, okay. um, we started out uh, doing in this project a replication from uh, Employee Central to all the other systems internally, so AD uh, and some uh, yeah, Salesforce, stuff like that. And our main focus there was just on getting a query that could actually list all the employees that were changed in a specific period of time. Uh, but I think the AD interface there gave uh, a good advice on how that worked and what you can do there. But there was obviously some some things in, in the old data that you needed to uh, find in, in different ways. So I, I guess, is that a, a, a challenge, this, this thing about how the old data works and how you can actually extract employees that, for instance, are starting in the future or, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, the so I guess to to just quickly cover the the API capabilities. So there's two core foundational APIs. There's the what's now more of a legacy API, the SF API. That's the original um, SOAP-based API um, that, that successor had for quite a long time. Gradually, they've been replacing the functionality and capabilities of the SF API with an OData API, um, which, as your listeners probably uh, aware, is um, you know, a modern standard um, for uh, data uh, replication through APIs. So um, the OData API is quite powerful. Um, in terms of what it can do and what data it can get out. And most of the data um, in Employee Central, including custom objects and custom fields, are exposed to the API unless um, unless you choose otherwise. Um, but you do have to understand what the difference, um, what the different queries are in the, the API. So there's a number of, there's a number of different um, uh, I guess you would. I guess you would call them. There's um, a number of different uh, adapters um, inside the API. So there's one that's like a user object. Um, there's one for employment data, personal information, address. All you know, all of the full range of data, and then then multiple queries that you can pull on that to pull out specific types of data. Um, these queries can get complex depending on what you're pulling and then you know the complexity obviously impacts runtime yeah yes so we definitely saw yeah the 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 complexity of this because yeah if you started with the employee job i think it was you could query down to user and email and phone numbers uh, in different objects so that was pretty cool we had to do some custom validation that the the employee was created with the correct uh, initials in the in our cpi flow if the user want to create some custom code on doing the validation on you, for instance, username in the application, is that possible? Because in in old app you have always create user exits and stuff like that. But I imagine that's not a symbol in in a cloud application like this. Yeah. So there's um there's a few different things that you can do. There are. Um, uh, the rules engine in success factors is reasonably uh, powerful um, and comprehensive and it and it's good for putting in some more standardized uh, put it some more standardized checks when you're hiring so checking there's a maybe a minimum number of characters or you know you don't have um, special characters and names and so forth um, I would say more pattern based um, validations and checks but if you want to do something more complicated and this is something we see a lot with customers is they want rules around user IDs so if there's a if somebody's called John Smith and, and they, they want the username to be John Smith plus the last sequential number so for example they have three employees called John Smith and the user IDs are John Smith John Smith 1 and John Smith 2 well they want this next ID to be John Smith three, but that kind of um, that kind of check in the rules engine isn't really the type of check the rules engine designed to to, okay. to carry out. So that's just like specific. Yeah, not history. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, those sort of rules start to get a little more complicated. Um, you're, you're starting to move away from um, a very structured um, rule-based um, scenario, which success factors can do, towards programming and customer codes and ifs and whens and lookups and sort of things that just go beyond the power of what the rules engine is, is intended to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not much programming in success factors. Uh, well, I say much programming. There really isn't really any any programming in success factors. So, um, but you can create uh, extensions if I understand it correctly. Or correct. Is that- yes. Yeah. So you can build um, you can build custom extension applications. You know, using Java or, or Python or whatever other languages you want. But they're really separate applications that sit inside of the kind of success factors runtime framework. They don't, um, that, that kind of functionality wouldn't necessarily be used um, to you know, do an automated query of the username during a hire, for example. It could be something that you could create post-hire to maybe do that, uh, you know, be feasible. But I mean, we, I see, um, and we see a lot of customers that have external systems that generate usernames. Um, that might be Active Directory. Um, I think I saw one recently in Novell, IBM. And that actually makes things a little easier because you can do the hire or create a, a, a username, maybe a generic username. You can then have, um, your data replicated from EC into your IDM, it can generate the username and then that can be replicated back using the OData API to update the user's record with the username. And you can do that with email address. It's um, probably even more common than username is to do that sort of thing with email address where there's a, a central system that does that, you know, on Office 365, uh, Active Directory, etc. Ah, cool. Um, I guess when we're talking about this, about creating users, there's also an event-based API, if I'm, I recall correct, that you could see specific events that have occurred and what's happening there. There are some transactions in the admin center in Employee Central that enable you to view the payloads, view some of the transactions, um, view what's going on with the API, so you can track the, um, what queries are being made, when they're being made, how much data is going, how long is it taken to process, etc. And that's for the SF API and, and the OData API. So yeah, there's also the um, intelligence services, which is an event-based, I guess, a technical event, uh, event-based um, event bus, which enables um, actions to create downstream um, follow-on actions. So for example, you can have the system set up so when you hire somebody, the system will then automatically go to compensation management and create their, uh, create them in the compensation management um, plan for that management. Um, it will go to learning and assign certain learning courses. It will go to onboarding and it will create all of the onboarding activities that are needed for um, an employee. 
Yeah, I mean, that can be really useful uh, in, in examples like when somebody becomes a manager for the first time, it can set up everything for their direct reports. It can transfer performance forms from an old manager. It can assign learning courses to the new manager on certain aspects of management and processes and policies and things like that that are in place. And that doesn't require any interaction beyond just making that person a manager in the system. Um, and that actually also has some um, external integrations as well. So um, another example is somebody is set on a, on a long-term leave of absence in Employee Central. Maybe they've, they've got a, a long-term sickness or they're recovering from an accident or something. Um, Employee Central can then put a hold on payroll, for example, or it can set um, the out-of-office in Outlook. It can also then notify um, the user or someone that there are meetings in Outlook that, that need to be rearranged during this period because this person's not available to take them. So it can become quite a powerful thing once you start um, putting in some of these other systems and you start aligning up um, your different processes with all of these downstream systems and applications and other business processes that you have. But I guess that would be something you would need to to create some specific integration for. You don't have a like a pre-built uh, Outlook uh, calendar information, right? Well, uh, as it stands today, a lot of the intelligence services um, uh, actions and triggers and, and whatnot are actually pre-supplied and they've built some of those integrations to Outlook. So while it's very good doing what it does, it doesn't extend that well today. So it, it will, you know, if you're if you're using those scenarios, then sure, um, it's going to work very well. But if you want to accept an intelligence service based on hiring someone that pings your custom-designed um, pension system to enroll someone into a pension, that's probably not going to be possible using the intelligence services um, system okay. today. Okay, cool. Um, I guess another thing is often when you talk with, with uh, success factors uh, people, it's also about the integration center. And that's, I guess, is a bit different uh, concept. Yeah, I mean, integration is pretty critical to any implementation, um, particularly HR, because we have all these other systems, you know, pensions and benefits, and sometimes multiple payroll providers or benefits, time systems. There's all sorts of things. Um, and because of the cloud, customers don't always truly understand how integration works and how it, it it's a bit different, but yet not so different from integrations in the past they may have done when they were building out their ERP system, um, for example, their on-premise HCM system or whatever it is they're using. So there is a lot of uh, education that needs to go uh, go into letting customers know about what integration capabilities are, what's possible, what uh, isn't possible. Letting them know about things like the um, the integration center, which we haven't touched on yet, inside success factors. Mm -hmm. But uh, so integration center, as I understand, is, is more like 
um, not not so technical, not for, uh, and more something where you can generate some files, Excel reports, uh, with with or based on specific user data, right? Uh, pretty much, yeah. You know, it's it's a it's it's a UI based um, integration tool mainly for business users to enable them to build. Um, you know, simple, mid-complexity, pattern-based um, integrations. So it does have now um, um, ability to export data and import using SOAP, and there's some um, OData API export capabilities now. So you can use your middleware or have the system connect directly to another system. Um, or it can obviously do a, um, a CSV or XML file export. So it's pretty cool for a lot of things. If you have a, you know, you have, you have um, a simple pension system and you just need to export changes to salaries every month, that's something you can do quite simple and easily in Integration Center and can configure the file to be exported in the target format and do any transformations, you know, for example, you know, converting US states from two letters to the full name, for example, um, changing maybe um, uh, telephone number formats or, or whatnot. So that kind of stuff is, 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 is quite simple and easy um, to do in integration center. But you know, if you've got large payloads, a lot of complexity, you need some transformation in your middleware as well, or you want something that's kind of maybe a higher level of security or goes through um, maybe a, a proxy in, in, in the firewall, then Integration Center is probably not going to be the right solution. So as an integration developer, that would not be my tool, or would that be something I... I just need to let the business create because they anyway understand uh, more about what's going on. Um, it's, it, it's a bit of both. The uh, the solution's quite good for allowing maybe business person to go in. They can like, build integration, and you can export that integration. A definition and you can import it into SAP Cloud Platform integration. So there's a use case there for having um, business people who understand the process but aren't technical to be able to give an integration developer um, a definition that they can actually then use as um, a foundation for building an SAP Cloud Platform integration. Ah, okay, yeah, because I think that was one of my biggest challenges. So when doing this integration was figuring out where is, well, the username, what are our uh, names we want to use for for these things. And apparently that changed depending on the type of customer or, uh, sorry, the type of employee and stuff like that. So if the business already knew this, uh, they would probably speed up the integration if we can just query some report they've created that contained all of these data. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but but you're right that if you are um, an integration developer, your first port, your first port of call would be SAP Cloud Platform integration. It probably wouldn't be Integration Center. And of course, the other consideration is that for some customers, they have um, a particular integration strategy, and 
using um, SAP Cloud Platform integration as a middleware, but also then using integration center may not be desirable. Um, you know, your IT team might not want to have to go to two places to monitor integrations, for example. They might want to do it through one single place. So although the both tools exist, it might not be that they are, they are often used in conjunction with one another. It really will depend on the customer themselves on whether that um, scenario is, is going to happen. Okay. Uh, so uh, I think one, one challenge is... Uh, so obviously, doing integration with data is uh, a little difficult for for a lot of technical people because there's so many different terms. What's an employee, and what's the what are specific around these things? Um, so, are there any specific skills that you see that uh, integration developers are missing? When working with success factor understanding, that would be crucial to understand. I don't really think so, so much. I think if an integration developer has experience of the middleware platform, you know, a PI, um, uh, Boomi, an Ironcast, uh, whatever else, then they will be able to pick up SAP Cloud Platform integration reasonably easily if they have experience of using APIs and querying APIs, particularly on data. Again, they shouldn't have much challenge in, in understanding how to build the queries. So I don't, I don't think that there's there's anything new needed in the skill set. Obviously, there's there's trying to understand you know the the, the fields and the requirements for um, you know data extraction, um, data transformation, and so forth. But those are the those you know as you and, and, and your listeners already know those are things that you have to do on every project anyway is to understand those type of requirements. So I, I think to be to be honest, most um, most experienced and skilled integration developers and integration consultants will be able to um, to build out success factors integrations. I would probably add one caveat to that is um, the integration between Employee Central and SAP um, HCM on-premise um, isn't always quite as straightforward. You know, it's it's uh, you know, SAP HCM is a complicated system, um, and there's a lot of effort there. And I've seen a lot of times consultants without experience um, struggling a little bit. And sometimes it's just to do with not knowing the caveats of that integration. Because, because it's a framework built by SAP, of course, there are some caveats to how it works. There's um, some specific um, elements of how it's set up and operates that um, consultants need to learn. And there's just some of those things you don't really get a good grip until the integration has, until you've implemented it uh, two or three times, like in any software implementation. <laughs> And once you've done it two or three times, it's something new you want to figure out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not super complicated, but it's just um, because it's um, an it's built in. Uh, most of it is built in the SAP system. So actually, the middleware part is not all that is not all that difficult. Um, there's a couple of caveats, a couple of settings you've got to understand, but a lot of the configuration for that integration actually takes place in the SAP system in the um, uh, implementation guide. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, I, 
I guess one one challenge with this is, uh, as I understand, you need to be a success factor certified company or something like that to do uh, some configuration in the system versus what uh, the SAP customer can do in in the success factor, right? Um, this is uh, not so black and white. Um, so the, the there's a there's a back end of success factors called provisioning, which is mainly used for switching on services. There's um, a little bit of configuration depending on the module that occurs there, and customers don't have access to provisioning. So customers um, have access to the to the front end system, and uh, to be honest, these days a lot of the configurations and even a lot of the, the features can be switched on in the admin center of the success factors uh, application. So that provisioning access isn't really required. You do have to be certified to access the provisioning backend, but there are no real restrictions around anybody accessing the front end and doing configuration or accessing SAP Cloud Platform integration, for example. So um, it's not so strict in that sense. So if you if you have somebody that's never implemented success factors before and they want to configure some integrations and they want to go and have a look at the data dictionary and success factors or they need to go and add a field because it needs to source some data the integration will use yeah you don't need to be certified to do to do that sort of stuff okay <laughs> this would probably be a good idea <laughs> yes it would be it would probably make sense to work with someone that's um, experienced or. or um, certified, um, but, it, but it, in essence, it's possible. And we do see projects sometimes where customers get involved with configuration um, of some of the software. And you know, I've got an I've got an implementation kicking off soon where a customer is going to be um, doing some of the uh, integrations in integration center. They're not a particularly big customer outside of two countries, so they're going to use the integration center for a lot of their inter integrations. And they're going to build a lot of those themselves. So there are definitely opportunities for customers and uh, integration developers and those that haven't got trained or experienced in success factors to be able to do some aspects of the project without putting the project at risk. Um, it seems like I'm on the end of my questions. Uh, are there anything you think we forgot? Some was uh, some is, <laughs> that's important for for integration uh, developers to understand what what this uh, this is about i think we've co we've covered most things um, i think um, i would advise you know, customers partners developers to you know understand yeah there's some complexity in integrations for sure but success factors integration is not um, super complicated and super difficult i know there's been talk on social media over the years and there's um, you know, some competitors like to make noises about the difficulty in integrating success factors, but I can tell you from experience that it isn't all that difficult to integrate. It can be complicated when you're trying to integrate EC with SAP on premise at some very large, complicated customers. But, but that's more the backend of the EAP customization than the standard. Exactly. And any big customer's integration is complicated. Um, so um, yeah, I think customers shouldn't be um, worried or scared about integration. 
think integration, uh, you know, the integration works quite well between Employee Central and Success Factors and other modules. Um, and there's a few things that are provided in the integration, um, you know, like templates. There's, there's payroll benefits and time management templates provided in SAP Cloud Platform. So a, a integration developer can take this benefits um, template, and they've got 60 to 80% of what they need in that template. So they can just then customize that to the specific customer requirements, and they can much more quickly have an integration there um, ready for them to use with whatever system it is that the customer wants to integrate. So there are some tools and, and things like that that also make integrations quicker um, and easier than they in the past. Well, thanks, Luke, for, for being on, on the show. I really appreciate it. I <laughs> did get a good, uh, a lot of insights about uh, what's really going on in the Success Factors uh, application. So, uh, Luke, thanks for being on the show. Yes, uh, thanks for, for listening to, to this uh, episode. If you liked it, uh, please uh, share it, uh, subscribe. Uh, it really means a lot to me if you spread this uh, this word and, and share this this podcast. You can also find the, the show notes at uh, integrationpodcast.com where I'll uh, just post uh, um, a little uh, brief uh, overview of this uh, and uh, some more information about how you can reach uh, Luke. So uh, thanks for, for listening.